surprise. Bong. Yeah, so um, on my way to Hershey Park, talking to my father, and I was like, bro, you mind if I record this? And of course, he was like, nah, no, no issue at all. So here we have a surprise episode featuring the OG, the big homie, and I'm talking about, hope y'all enjoy. It wasn't like Big Daddy King, LL Cool J, Public Enemy, uh, Rapper's Delight. Once they got the little, little catchy hook to it, I ain't particularly care for it now in that in that era like early rap were you still more involved with like like r&b music like yeah like, strictly r&b just go ahead and hit a little while later on hmm. so like what is like what were the popular groups during that time for what r&b yeah so was that r&b soul funk was it was it funk on its way out or Barcades, Ohio Players, Confunction, uh, Commodores were considered funk, uh, some of uh, Earth, Wind & Fire, Isley Brothers, they were more, they could get funky, mm-hmm. but they were more R&B. Even when they, when they started labeling, when discos came out, they started labeling R&B as disco. Anything that had a, a up-tempo to it during the disco era mm-hmm. that was R&B, they were calling it disco, and that wasn't it. Disco got a whole different sound. So, were, wasn't like a disco, like going to a concert or a party, was actually called a disco? The clubs were called disco. There was disco text, that's what they, uh. they were calling then you get like the Studio 54 and all those other clubs up in Manhattan. Did you go to any of that? No. No. I wasn't old enough. Well, I was old enough. Just didn't go. They did big drugs in there. Yeah. Big, big drugs. I wanted to go to, to Studio 54, but just never. I don't know. I wasn't no, no party club person, so. So was that like a upscale kind of thing, like going there? like? I really don't know. I don't think it was that much... I don't know. I think it's pretty much like like everything else was back then. Did you, if they decide to let you in, you come in. If not, you keep it moving. Mm-hmm. You got the door, man. Because <clears throat> the stuff that I read on like Studio Fifty Four, it's kind of like it seemed like a celebrity vibe kind of thing, like more or less. But you still can get in. Okay. It's probably like certain nights you. Alright, so, like, back to, like, that era, like, transitioning into, like, from the 60s, I mean, I'm sorry, the 70s to the 80s, that music transitioning into, like, rap or hip-hop was, like, was, I always hear that people weren't receptive of it, like, kind of like how people, like, old heads look at 90s hip-hop people look at, like, mumble rap. Like, was it the same kind of thing? Like, kind of like Shun rapped at the time? Yeah, I would say yeah. But if you like music, then you was more acceptable to it. Some of it was, some of it was good. Some of it was crap. 
what's crazy, um, Rakim and uh, and Eric B, Eric B and Rakim on, on tour right now. They were just in Baltimore this past week, and they had Yo Yo open up for them. Yeah. And then Yo Yo brought out uh, JJ Fat. Yeah. So it's kind of like I was looking at that. Like I only really remember Yo Yo having one real song. And outside of that, I I was under the accept, uh, the idea that Ice Cube wrote everything. Ice Cube discovered her, right? Uh, she was Ice Cube's artist. I thought it, they had some sort of relationship. Well, I I never. And then JJ Fab was like, I found out years ago that Dr. Dre did the beat for that. The Superphonic, Supersonic joint. I mean, I thought that was kind of crazy, but it's like, you could do one thing, you could pretty much do all kind of genre kind of thing, kind of like what Timberland does all over the place now, mm-hmm. or for years. So, like, the Commodores and the, it was the Commodores, the Temptations, the Funkadelics, you ever been to any of those concerts? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, did the Commodores, seen the Commodores with the Jackson 5. The Commodores was with the Jackson 5. They was the opening night for the Jackson 5. You, um... Well, you've been to the African American Museum. He's yeah. fast. Um, do, do you remember going past, like, where they had, like, the record contracts? And how much they were getting paid? Like, in the 60s and the 50s? No, I didn't see that. Before. Oh, man, they were getting paid nothing. Like twenty, twenty dollars, sixty dollars, something crazy like that. It was sad. I forgot who contract it was that was in there, but they had like the boots. It was like on the same floor as like the Bootsy Collins stuff. Yeah, the uh, mothership. Yeah. So have you heard uh Taylor Swift version of September? Yeah. It's, it's a lot of black people. Well crying. She botched it up, but uh-huh. it's going to be acceptable. It's just going to—it's going to be one of them things. The more you hear it, the more you're going to accept it. It's going to be acceptable to black people, or acceptable well, to. It all depends. If you—if you're young and you really don't know about the original, mm-hmm. you may like it. If you like Taylor Swift, this is true. I remember um, years ago somebody. I said, well, it might have been just last year. Somebody was like, the way that history is erased in like the last 10 to 20 years, by the time another 20 to 25 to let's say 40 years, they will make it seem like Tupac was white. <laughs> like Eminem was Tupac and Tupac didn't exist kind of thing. You ever think about stuff like that? Like how stuff but is like it's, always... It's no different than what they were doing with music, with black music in the 50s and 60s when it's covered by a white group. They just changed the whole beat. Uh, just, Little Richard kind of thing. Yeah, it just... Elvis did it, Pat Boone, especially Pat Boone. Pat Boone was watching. Who's that? He's a, he's a singer white guy TV personality uh, he, he will botch him up I mean you have 
like black artists with nice beat, and then he just come in there with that. Snap. Yeah, that's <laughs> snap. Oh, so like on the movies, how they typically have, like, <laughs> the, they'll show, like, I don't remember what movie it was. You know how the, how the black comedians mock the, the uh, white comedians or singers using the white voice and uh-huh. snapping off key hey and all that. there, yeah. buddy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, what? Did you ever own any Frankie Lyman stuff? Or random, but no. no. So, what artist music? Your grandmother did you... had one album that was like a greatest hit, and he was on that. So when? Okay, when did you start collecting like vinyls and stuff like that? The Jackson Five ABC was my first one. This lady owned this record shop in the village in Farragua. And we had a, a radio station, WWRL. And WWRL used to put out a playlist every Friday. With, and it was the top 16. And we put it out on vinyl? No, no, no. Oh. This is with and Miss B shot. Uh, there was a playlist, and they were every year, every week. They would uh, they would print out a copy of the top sixteen, and they would move up and down the list. Some would fall off. Some would stay at number one. Some would, you know, go go all the way down to sixteen mm-hmm. until they fall off. New artists would put go come in at number one. And so forth, but I will buy my records according to the playlist. Mm-hmm. So whenever a new one come out, then I'll get that. Then I got into reading uh, this publication called Cashbox. Cashbox was have all the industry information on it, from the R&B to to pop to rock. They would go into uh, the talking about the the producers, the rangers, the writers, the artists, and then certain arrangers or certain producers I would follow. Like, for instance, uh, uh, what's his name? follow him so I would pick up stuff like they were doing Chic they were doing Donna Ross they were doing uh, Sister Sledge and here lately what's that group that came out a couple of years ago uh, you never seen their face they had like space helmets oh uh he did their group. They worked with Kanye West. Yeah. Uh, uh, draft Punk? Tread Techno. No, no, no. Techno Punk. Yeah, Draft Punk. I, oh, wait, what? What did you say? doing Tech Techno. Yeah, they did Stronger with Kanye. Okay. Burkett, Baby. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah Draft yeah. Punk. He produced that. 
Really? Yeah. Like the original, like the sample, or in general? I don't know if it was a sample or that was original, but he produced that that group, that song. Yeah. And then you got into I got into following certain musicians that played on certain albums, certain horn sections. I was the type that once you buy an album, you look at the uh, credits. Yeah, the liner notes, as they call them. <laughs> you know what's crazy? I was cleaning cleaning up, and um, I came across Wale's album, the album about nothing. And I threw away the CD, a case, but I kept the book because it's kind of hard. That's why. That's another reason why I have title because if you are playing a song and you like click on it it shows you the producer the um the writers it, it shows you all of that information that you really kids don't really care about now and i guess because everything is done through streaming that they're not checking for that unless they read it on a site like on some some sites if they have like a single just being put out like I say you'll have the Drake song and you'll see it. It just came out on the internet. They would have Drake hyphen uh, nice for what, and then it say produced by Forty, but then it won't say like who was like co-produced by and stuff like that. So you had to like read the article, which in turn like it like music has helped me like care about reading more. Like when I was like struggling to read growing up. I would read, I would go to allhiphop.com and read articles after school. And that's where I would spend the majority of my time when, like, after I was done homework, if I had homework or if I cared to do it, I would just sit and read articles. And then from there, just reading on the front pages, I would read the different articles that they printed. Then I went to something they had called the Ill Community, which is basically a, a messenger board. And that's where I found out, yeah, that's, I found out a lot of my... A lot of my information about hip hop during that, like all like the hit stories and the stuff that you really don't hear. It's a guy. His name is Little Sean. I don't know if you know who Little Sean is. Oh, okay, you have. So every day, probably honestly, for like the last two to three weeks, he's been on Instagram and he's been telling like different stories. Okay, I didn't know. This is a bus up there. But um. He's been writing different stories about like different different parts of hip hop. Dang, oh there you go. Different things of hip hop, like he was saying how he how he initially met Mary J. Blige and that was one day through um one day through Puffy. Um and then he was telling his biggie stories. Luckily the last, last couple weeks, I luckily I've been catching the uh post and he's been telling more about like being around Biggie, actually meeting Biggie and just like what kind of person he was at the earliest stages of his career. I think the next stop, he put up something like referring to him talking about him being around Jay-Z and all that. So I'm looking forward to that. He has a book called The Black Book or The Black Bible. Um, I got the sample on my phone. I plan on buying a book. Um, but it, it seemed like a not. I can't tell if it's a, from what I read, it seemed like a novel versus like the uh stories that he'd be putting on um, social media so but um um but uh so growing up what was grandma playing 
or like stuff like is that where you found your interest in music? Oh yeah. Yeah, what kind of, what was some artists who were playing? Yeah, like artists and genre, stuff like that. Mainly R&B. outside of James Brown have you like like at the like have you heard their music being used and not not so much as today music but just during the time of you you know collecting vinyls and like listening to music have you ever heard their music being sampled no you think because some people don't really you know, just never got around to it, or the samples, or people charge <clears throat> arm and a leg for samples, as they should, but still, like, that's why a lot of albums, a lot not of songs don't make albums. Not that I can recall, mm. other than James Brown. Yeah. <clears throat> they may eventually. Yeah, it just, you know, people, it just didn't catch people's eye or ear yet. But I think a lot of people are, you know, trying to get away from samples because of, you know, cost so much. But, you know. <coughs> yeah, so. So how are people making beats? Yeah, I mean, they sample, but, I mean, uh, they have, like, the drums, the drum sets, and the kits and stuff like that. But it's a lot of... I'm only saying that because I come from an era of music that I would always... The mixtape era. So, in most cases, I would end up hearing a song based on... Like, on a mixtape, based on it not being clear, for the most part. Okay. Like, there's a lot of Jay-Z records that... Like, him, like, coming up that I heard on, like, Clue Tapes that couldn't make the albums because of the sample clearance. And so, I, so when people make the beats, they're not sampling also? They're sampling, but I noticed for a long time, like Kanye West, like he was sampling, but he went through a phase that he would, like when he first came out, you, you could identify the sample. Like it was just him be speeding up the sample. But now it's kind of more hidden when he does stuff. It's not a speed-up sample that you can identify. Like, now, the way he produced music, it's not really the same. I'm not saying they don't sample, but I was... Uh, it always came down to... When it, when it came down to, like, records being put on albums, that was always one of the things that a lot of people would run into. Either the album would be delayed because of sample clearance, or they'll just say, forget it, and not even put the record on there. So... It's always interesting. Like I still, I still try to find out who the producers are and what they sample. And it's only like a seldom few people that I know that really care about that kind of part of that part of music. That's why I really wanted to um, sit down with Rakeem. But I, I asked him was he, um, was he busy yesterday? I think he didn't. He wasn't too sure. At the moment. He gonna be here today? He gonna be here today? Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely gonna talk to this nigga. I didn't know that. 
like, bro, I, I, I have too many conversations to ever be without an episode. Like, it's, it's no way I will ever be without an episode. I will always have an episode to put out to my listeners. But, um, so, like, what about Mama Betsy? Like, like going back and forth in the house, and what was she playing?
started writing and producing. That's what I liked about it. After a while, your favorite groups, they started producing their own music. And some of them came out better. Even The Temptations. They didn't start writing for themselves, some of them, until like the late, early 80s. Yeah, in the early 80s, they started writing a little bit. Not a lot. Well, what out of that era was, like, good to you, though? In comparison to their older music, like, what what out of that era, them writing their own stuff can test the... What's, what's the what? Stand only, the test of time. It's only one album that they really... Stand the test of time. That they really wrote a lot on that I liked it was... Uh, Called Tall Teeth. Mm. That album. Call it Tall Teeth. Was the name of that album? I think that was Nick that album. Then you got into the Prince, Funkadelics, the Gucci Collins. Then there was uh, a couple of spin-off groups from the from uh, the Parliament from the Dollars. Alright, so can you break that down for me? Temptation spawned what and how many different groups? Just one. The Temptations. No, 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 no. Spawn, like, as in, like, uh, maybe I'm using the wrong word. It birthed what different groups from, like, people leaving the Temptations to start other groups. There were, there was no group. Well, there was a guy that joined the group, Damon Harris. He had left the Temptation, and he formed a group called Impact. And these, they put out maybe oh, yeah, two or three albums. But other than that, whenever a member left, they normally go solo. You know what? Or you never heard of them again. I initially thought that they started the Commodores from the Temptations. No. Uh, I take that back. Uh, Dennis Edwards, he took and formed the uh, Temptation Review. So that was just a... Uh, review? Yeah. Because really? he... Well, that's, that's, that's how it came about because they started to get sued by the by the original groups, because they was using the name, they was using Tim, uh, Tim, uh, same Dennis Edwards, the Temptation featuring Dennis Edwards. They couldn't use that. They couldn't use the name Temptation, but if they put Temptation Review, it's a whole different group. That's just like it's a guy that I went to that we. Uh, up with in refer he sung for the group the persuaders okay um, he joined the persuaders late 90s i'm gonna say but then he left the group he left the group along with two original members but somehow or another the remaining members had control of of the name so they was going out as the persuaders um, Showtime Teddy Raleigh not Teddy Raleigh Anthony Raleigh 
was the guy's just the guy's name, but he was known as Showtime. Mm. So they was going out performing as the persuaders. Then they got an injunction. <laughs> so they had to stop. So they started to go out as the review. And most of the groups now where they had ex members still wanting to go out and perform under that title, but they had to put review in there that in order not to get get sued and whatnot. But uh, like I said, Dennis Edwards and Dennis Edwards, David Ruffin and and Eddie Kendricks, they formed a group of group as far as performing. I don't think they recorded anything. Dennis Edwards and I take that back. Eddie Kendricks and David Ruffin put out an album together. And they toured together. So those were the three you would consider three groups that that was a branch of uh, branched off from the Temptations. Okay. But other than that, whenever their member left, they would go solo or you never heard of them again. Um, the, the three that really really took off was Dennis Edwards when he went solo, David Ruffin when he went solo, and Eddie Kendricks when he went solo. And like I say, uh, Damon Harris when he joined the group Impact. That was about it. The rest of them, you don't, you don't hear from them no more. But yeah, but there have been so many members, I stopped counting. I don't even know what the the Temptation line up now because they still perform and there's only one original member left. How were their, uh, how did you feel about their solo projects? They were good. They were good. The, yeah, they was good. Eddie, Eddie Kendricks made, uh, put out the most albums. As a solo artist, they had the most hits as a solo solo artist. So, what about what can you tell me about like the Commodores? The Commodores, right now, there's only two original members. Uh, a lot of people don't know in the early. The first, the early albums, Lionel Richie didn't sing lead on a lot of those songs. Yeah. Even on Breakouts. He, he wasn't the original lead singer on Breakouts. But as he became more popular, he stood out in the forefront singing on Breakouts and a lot of other songs. Lionel Richie was the saxophone player and background singer. Really? Yeah. In the beginning. But he was the writer, though. He wrote a lot after this guy, uh, Anthony Carmichael. He was a producer-writer. When he left the stop producing for the, the hits wasn't as plentiful as they were in the beginning. In the beginning. But yeah, uh, Walter Orange, he was a drummer. He did a lot of, a lot of the lead singing on the, the early hits. If you look at the videos, you'll see it. 
Lionel said Lionel Richie because they sound almost the same.